Welcome, Mark Pattison, to Backseat Banter's Carpool Edition episodes. My name is Jonathan Silver, and I am joined with my co-host, Sam Kruchkov. Mark is a former NFL player, senior vice president of business development at Sports Illustrated, and is referred to as the summit master for being the first NFL player to climb all seven summits of the world. He played five seasons professionally in the NFL and played for the University of Washington in college, but has accomplished so much more since then. He is also the host of uh, Finding Your Summit podcast, so make sure to go check that out. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you're referred to as the summit master. Can you tell us what that phrase means to you? <laughs> you know, guys, I'm not even sure who made that up. Uh, I, I never gave that that term um, to myself. I mean, look, there's certainly been a lot of guys that and girls who've come before me have done something like this. Um, I'm actually taking on something slightly different and something more aggressive um, and actually going for a world record. So I've got two two things going on here. First of all, the seven summits are the highest peaks on each continent. So I've gone mm -hmm. around the globe, you know, kind of one by one and taking on these different uh, mountains. I was supposed to go to Mount Everest last year and I was going to take just, just that mountain on. And, and because of COVID, because things got pushed out, um, I, I decided to kind of double down on what I'm doing mm -hmm. and um, I'm always game for, for challenge. And so I'm actually now, uh, the plans are to climb Mount Everest um, and then come down, call in my tent, and within 24 hours, climb Lhotse, which is the fourth highest mountain in the world, which sits wow. right um, and then come down. Um, I'm, I'm, if I do that, I'll be the first NFL player to ever accomplish that goal. And ironically, I'll be the oldest guy <laughs> to ever do that. <laughs> so I don't necessarily see myself as like an old guy, but um, answer the question to some of them, I don't know where that came from, but really excited about um, getting after it. I've trained like an absolute crazy man for years now, mm -hmm. one moment in time. And so, you know, it's one of those things where I'm going to have the opportunity, hopefully COVID doesn't, you know, things again. And I'm hoping that I, I've needed to do to put myself in a position of success. That's great to hear. And from what I understand, you're dedicating um, this climb to your daughter, correct? Yeah, you know, um, I, I when I first started this journey, I, well, when I first started this journey years ago, I thought at the time, seven months, seven years, I'd do a big mouse once a year. And what I forgot to, to factor in is there's mother nature, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was on Denali in two, 2017 and, and we were hit by minus 80 degree weather, right? So not hands and fingers. So we retreated, we came back down and went back up again uh, following year in 2018, summited. Um, and then of course this last year, things got pushed out uh, with, with COVID. So um, over this nine year now on on, you know, it evolved in terms of trying to pay it forward um, the first year that I did this, I said, hey, you know, why don't I just throw it out there a little bit and see if I can raise some money. I, I raised $10,000 for this Boy Girls Club in, in L.A. And then Chris Long, who's son of Howie Long, you guys may know him. Mm -hmm. He went to line um, for 10, 12 years uh, for both the Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles, won a couple of Super Bowls. And he started this amazing foundation called Water Boys. And I was really inspired um, by that. Essentially, we, we raised a bunch of money, went down to Tanzania, climbed Kilimanjaro for my second time in my case. 
also raised money for the, the people of the Messiah tribe to build water wells for these villages mm-hmm. down there. And so again, opening my eyes, paying it forward. Um, my daughter had epilepsy since she was uh, eight. She's now 22. She goes to the University of Arizona. And um, a couple of years ago, she was pretty mission critical and mm-hmm. flew down to Tucson and just parked it there. And, and I just asked myself, I'm like, you know, do I really want to be raising money for people in Africa versus trying to help my own daughter. And mm-hmm. so um, anyways, I've, I've changed my allegiances just a little bit. The focus is on trying to help people with cognitive issues, epilepsy in her case. Um, and I partner with a company called Higher Ground. They're here in Los Angeles. They're also in New York and LA. Mm-hmm. And so it, a lot of it focuses around people in the military, but people with cognitive issues. So either you have epilepsy or maybe you've got PTSD um, or uh, you've had you know, the accident with your legs and stuff. So very inspiring to try to help her and also motivates me to keep up the mountain. Yeah. So personally, when I saw your story, um, it, it really affected me because I, I lost a family member due to suit up sudden death from epilepsy uh, several years ago. And every single year during epilepsy awareness day, we, we donate uh, to a fund to try and you know, win this fight against epilepsy. And it really meant a lot to me, the work that you're doing uh, in this fight. And, you know, I give you props because it takes a lot to be a leader in an industry where you want to to make change. And I I wore purple today uh, because it's the the color of that you wear on epilepsy day. And I, I just wanted to show my respect to what you were doing because I, I mean, the way that it, it impacted me when I saw the work that you're doing for that, I, I was I was left speechless. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. You know, I, I think you don't have to be, um, you know, my age. I just turned 59, and you don't have to age to get involved in charities. You can mm-hmm. start it, you know, at any point in time in your life. It just so happens that the way that my tra- trajectory of my career has gone. Mm-hmm playing in the NFL, the highest level of, of college going on now, working at Sports Illustrated, climbing these mountains all over the world. And and kind of through all that, I've been able to um, play or gather, I'm not sure what the right word is, but my social is now well over 450,000 people. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there's this, there's a singer that I really appreciate because of that lyrics. I like his music, but his lyrics are really powerful to me. Tim McGraw. He's got this song called Humble and Kind. And, you know, essentially it's just about you're going, don't forget to turn around mm-hmm. and help the next person do always humble and kind. And the point of that is like, once you, once you hit that, that summit is that that's the point in time where if you're able and you're in that position to turn around and do something like I've done is partner with an organization that's mm-hmm. got more power than me just starting off the ground, leverage what I am to do and then redirect that just a little bit on on her, on the people who are affected um, by these different traumas, these diseases. You know, I mean, it's just a great thing. It's a great thing to spade in. It's a great thing that I can see my daughter, like that empowerment of her name mm-hmm. in kind of the campaign of this Millions Everest Challenge. And, you know, the last two years I've raised well over $60,000 for this cause. So it's been successful. And I've seen her confidence grow. And, you know, for everybody, we're hoping for a, a solution and healing yeah, at some point in time. 
Yeah, that's incredible. It, the story really caught my eye because over the past summer, it was uh, COVID season, so there was not a lot of research going on in the labs. And I actually connected with one of my professors uh, at my university, and he was working on a computer model of epilepsy and trying to map the, the mechanical processes that are going on to try to maybe understand the, uh, the pathology a little bit better and to hopefully one day uh, come with better treatment plans. So when I was involved in that, I really got thinking about the disease, what's going on um, with the people, the people that it touches. So when we came across your story, that really spoke to me as well. I didn't lose any family members to it, but I, I've been involved. Uh, I've been caring about this uh, for a little while now too. So it's really great the work that you're doing. Can you shed a little light on the, the goals that, that you're going to try to accomplish with this project? Well, you know, look, I've, I've been fortunate because, um, you know, it's an ongoing thing um, mm -hmm. in terms of raising money. Uh, we, the, the, let's go back to 2020. Um, it's supposed to leave for Everest. Mm -hmm. um, 2020, uh, March, or actually April 1st of 2020, and then COVID hit, right, mid-March, mm -hmm. and the whole world shuts down. Um, two months before that, I had thrown a fundraiser to benefit, ultimately, the Epilepsy Foundation called Amelia's Everest. And the goal was to raise $20,029. And we, we ended up um, raising that amount and actually raising just a little bit more. Um, the... And so now COVID hits and we raise the money. That's great. But now I'm not going to Everest. Right. So it, it, I had to reset in my mind, like mm -hmm. what I was going to do. I'd train for a year. Like I do two a days every single day, mm -hmm. going up and down the mountain, doing all the CrossFit stuff. And it was like this disappointment. So it's like, you're going to the Super Bowl, but wait a minute, you go this year, right? The Olympics. And so I had to take a time out. It took me like 24 hours to like reset my mind. I said, mm -hmm. you know what? I'm going to just rededicate myself, take myself in a whole new direction. Um, and then along with that, I uh, wanted to kind of reset. And, and that's where I was talking about earlier of, of taking not just the goal of climbing Everest, but taking it one step further mm -hmm. and trying to do, you know, essentially two mountains, the highest, fourth highest, all within 24 hours. And nobody's ever done that. And so the goal there was to raise $27,940, which is the height of, of Lotsi. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we went over the higher ground. Um, we actually had this little campaign and, and, uh, we actually now have raised $36,000. We got the, uh, it seems, sounds weird to say this, but we've got the Las Vegas Raiders to mm -hmm. donate, uh, money. Um, the NFL also has a social grant out to them. They threw in money too. They're part of the $36,000. So, you know, between kind of last year's, I don't know, $33,000 and this year so far, 6000 you know, mm -hmm. we continue to fundraise. We'll continue to do more projects out in the future. So it hasn't ended. I, I still continue to promote it. You know, we can get to 30 or 50 or something like that. But the initial goal is that $27,940, and we hit that. So it's a big yahoo, and, you know, mm -hmm. congratulations to everybody who – and gratefulness to everybody who participated. I have a, a question about mountain climbing because I, I wonder why why climb mountains? What what adrenaline do you feel standing on top of the world? And and just take us into that moment or, or those moments, those several moments when you eclipse the summit and you're standing on there and you're just looking down on the entire world. 
You know, I, I think you're, uh, some of the some of this answer is going to come from you're a product of your environment. So before mm-hmm. the show, we went live. You guys told me you're from down in, in, in Miami somewhere, South Florida. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a great spot. You know, your your elevation peak in, in, in Florida is probably, you know, 200 feet or something, <laughs> right? I don't know where that is, but it's yeah. not any tall mountains. And where I grew up is the Seattle of Washington. Mm-hmm. And so in Seattle, if you've never been there, it's just full of mountains and streams and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, and we've got a big mountain um, there, um, one called Mount Rainier. It's 14,500 feet. And, and when, it, when it, it would eventually clear and it wasn't raining, I could see this mountain outside my parents' window. So I grew up seeing this. My dad used to climb mountains. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've just always been a gym rat. I've always been somebody that, that looked for challenges. And, and when I... When I, uh, I was going through a, a rough time about 10 years ago, uh, this gal that I was married to for time didn't want to be it anymore. And so it was just like, I needed something that it was going to really pull me out of that place, that dark place. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always done well in the mountains. I seem to be able to climb up things fast, not mm-hmm. necessarily down, but just going up. and um, built for it. And uh, it just, it just really like, drove me in terms of trying to go after this challenge. Cause if you think about it, you know, it's adventure travel. So it's not just climbing the mountain. That's just mm-hmm. a, that's a piece of it. Um, and staying on top of that mountain, but it's the planning, it's the mm-hmm. destination. It's learning a new skill, how to repel, how to use your ice axe, what to do when you fall in a crevasse, what do you do when avalanche is coming down onto you? You know, it's all these new things that I really didn't know a whole lot about. And then you start to go and I start to click off these different mountains and just the serenity, the peace, the accomplishment, um, now throwing some charity work uh, into that, um, being able to be in Antarctica. I mean, when else would you go to Antarctica, right? Mm-hmm. There's penguins and a couple of people down there and that's it. <laughs> and, and flying into these crazy situations, you know, in Denali, the highest peak in Alaska. Actually, it's North America. happens to be in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Being in Argentina, being in Australia, mm-hmm. being in Russia. When would you ever go to Russia, right? The highest peak in Europe is in Russia. And so, you know, just every single one had its, like, nuance to it. Mm-hmm. And every single time I went to – it was very strategic on the mountains I was going to. And as I'd go around the world – they each were maybe a little higher, a little harder, more snow, more skills required. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, you wouldn't, it, it, using the ball analogy, you wouldn't start with the NFL when you're in third grade, you'd start mm-hmm. in Little League and you work your way up that way. And I essentially did the same thing on the mountaineering side. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you brought that up as an analogy because soon we will be diving into your time uh, as a football player. But before we get into that, um, can you talk about the the differences in preparation for climbing a mountain to uh, playing at the highest level in football? Because it, it's similar in terms of it both being a physical activity and both being very strenuous on the body, but the skills seem very, very different for what you're asked to do. Yeah, no, they're 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 night and day different in a sense. Um, you know, I would say the similarities are the the physical, you know, commitment that you have to have in order to take on a gigantic challenge where the odds may not be all that great. And if you don't prepare in NFL, you don't die on the mountain, and or you can right when you don't prepare, mm-hmm. which is typically the people that you read about. Um, that's exactly 
what's happening to them. They didn't come. They were on a Stairmaster. They thought they could just show up and bad things happen. In the NFL, you just get cut. It's that mm-hmm. simple. Um, so, you know, it, it both obviously require a skill set. In the NFL, you know, you have to have way more natural skills. You know, like in my case, I was a wide receiver to so be able mm-hmm. to run and jump and catch and you know, understand defenses and everything. Mountain climbing, you're not doing that, but there's a whole different set of circumstances. Like how do you survive in mountains and how do you layer and how do you properly nourish yourself as you're going up? You don't dehydrate mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I, I would say that the NFL, um, more than anything, having to go through those with it prepared me because nearing is half mental. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're going up and minus 40 degrees and you're in the blizzard and the wind's blowing and there's wind chill and everything else. And it's hard, it's cold. And you want to go home and you haven't shown three weeks, you know, you just got like fortify your mind that no matter what you're going to not give up, you're going to keep going. And the same thing happened in, 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 uh, in two days going through those NFL camps and it's mm-hmm. all changed now and they don't hit as much. And but back in the day, man, it was a grind and, and people, it was like a, a it's like a, almost like a the version of American Idol because you start with these guys and one by one, like one week after another, guys are peeing off. They get cut, they get mm-hmm. traded, you know, they get hurt, whatever, and off they go. And so ultimately, it's uh, I, they're very different. But um, the NFL for sure had a gigantic impact on me in terms of just staying focused on the task at hand, present, and knowing what you do, not giving up. Yeah, so with the NFL too, it's it's more what you were saying about mount climbing. It's not about the destination. It's not about getting to the top of the mountain. Yes, that's the end goal, but you still have to come down when you get there. You still have to, you know, go through certain challenges. It's just like the NFL. You you can reach your peak and then you, there's retirement. There's what you do after. And uh, the the training and preparation, uh, I'm sure for the NFL, I mean, getting hit by a grown man definitely must take some, you know, practice and, and training to get used to. And I mean, you, you had a really, a few really good seasons for, for the Saints and you were played for the Raiders and Rams as well. Uh, can you highlight on which team maybe was your favorite to play for and which Maybe any memorable moments with any of them? Yeah, well, I want to go back and just go over one thing that you just said, and, and that is about it is life is a journey. I'm older than you guys, but mm-hmm. um, now I can say with all sincerity, you know, nothing that I've ever done um, that I've had immediate results like winning a $2 auto or something has ever mm-hmm. had that much gratification versus having a plan um, and or t- time by doing having the discipline and commitment to doing those things over and over like mm-hmm. you guys we're on a podcast right now and i've done on my podcast funny or something i've done 200 podcasts right and for me it's been a grind right mm-hmm. and it's really funny when i get into the call and the conversation but i don't set up people setting up my calls and i don't you know i gotta research and do all that and 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 it, it and i've just seen so many people going hey i'd like to do a podcast but then they and it gets too much of a grind, so they quit. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's what I see with being in the NFL 
being English illustrated, doing podcasts, doing public speaking is people not being committed to that daily discipline. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. In terms of, of, of playing, you know, I was a big star. I played with a lot of big stars, but I was never a big star. You know, back in the day, Howie Long was one of my teammates. You know, you see him mm-hmm. on, on Fox. I think everybody knows who he is. Jim Plunkett. He, um, don't, he's the only guy I've ever known to maybe Marcus Salen, um, be rookie of the year, um, winner uh, a, um, a Rose Bowl, and be uh, a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, it's incredible. You know, what guys, and, and so just watching those tendencies, it was an amazing experience. I was there for a couple of years and then I got traded down to New Orleans. And, and throughout my entire life, I'd never been on a losing team ever. And when mm-hmm. I got to um, uh, the New Orleans, um, and this predates you guys in 1987, but for 20 years, imagine 20 years, they never had a winning season, not mm-hmm. one. And I just, I, this blew me away. I got traded. And I landed there three days before the first game. We're playing the uh, the Cleveland Browns, and we beat this team. We were dogs, and and after the game, all the guys were in the locker room, and the coaches were crying. I was just, I just didn't, I couldn't put my head over mm-hmm. that, right? But to go through that experience of being on a team, the city starts to pick them up, like maybe ten right now, where they've never really won. I know they had one Super Bowl a while back, but. It's just it's just an amazing um, place to be when you're crest of that wave and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so for that reason, you know, being on that t- team that year was amazing. But playing with these rock stars, being in I'm 22 years old, you know, driving my little Porsche around, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like it was like it was real. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, and from an outsider listening to. The, your story it seems like wherever you go success follows and that whether that's in the nfl or like you said with mountain climbing sports illustrated your podcast yeah. you've really re- reached out to a lot of different industries and you found success in all of them but that's to an outsider's perspective what, what's it like the daily grind uh, to get to that point where it's not just in one field it's not you're doing one thing all day, every day. It's you're diversifying your experiences, your talents, your your skills. It, and you said it doesn't come on the first try. There's a lot of work that goes into behind the scenes so that you can appear to be always at the top. And that doesn't come on its own. Can you talk about the, the yeah. way that you've been working on all these different projects and the different mindsets that goes into each and every single one of them? Yeah, actually, Tim, I'm glad you asked that question, and 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 I want to take a quick little story that will kind of set the tone of mm-hmm. the other things which we can get into. But when I was in high school, I, I went to one of the largest high schools in in Seattle, um, mm-hmm. is the biggest city in in Washington, mm-hmm. right? And and things went well for me up there, and I got recruited by a lot of colleges. Um, uh, I never had to do any work. And back in those days, you know, it was totally different because there was no internet and there was no um, elite 11 camps mm-hmm. and sports. It was just, you showed up and you played your sport and it would end and you'd go to the next one. So it was football, mm-hmm. basketball, mm-hmm. all repeat. Right. And um, I never really had to work for anything. It just was athletic better. Uh, 
And when I got to the University of Washington, I was offered a scholarship uh, there in Seattle. I showed up. I hadn't practiced. I hadn't worked out. I hadn't done anything mm-hmm. prior to camp because I never had to do that in the past. I just showed up and I was better than everybody. And I, on that first day, I remember looking out and seeing all these guys and they were big and they were strong mm-hmm. and they're powerful. And we'd gone to some Rose Bowls and we had a coach that would become a Hall of Fame coach, Don James. And I was clearly way over my head and I was like really sucking wind for the first year and it got kind of the with the rubber met the road uh, moment for me which is like which way do I want to go up or down choose door number a or b and 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 at that point Tommy was just like you know unless I fully commit which I'd never really done before um, which meant me moving out of my fraternity meant moving home with my parents getting serious about my studies and uh, committing to to football um it still took me another three years and i had to do all those things that we're talking about lifting weights running the stairs running the tunnel watching film doing well in class to stay eligible all those things and and there was no certainty even though i made that commitment in that first year mm-hmm. about if i were to ever play which was still to me it was still three down the road i went through so many dark times through those three years. I mean, three years seems like a long flipping time mm-hmm. when you're in that moment because you have to go through all those motions, mm-hmm. right? But I committed to it and I went and, you know, three and a half years later, Michigan and in, in, in Seattle, and I, that was my first start. And I got there and the game gets down to the final minutes. Actually, in the fourth quarter, we're down by 14 points. We come back and we score a touchdown. We get the ball again with two minutes to go, drive the field. And I think with 20 seconds to go, uh, the quarterback uh, calls an audible and throws me a fade around the end zone. I reach out, grab it, come down, catch it. We win the game. I'm on Sports wow. Illustrated. And, and so people, to your point, they saw me as so lucky. Look at high school three years ago. Mm-hmm. And now look at he's on Sports Illustrated and making the you know, crowds going crazy. Didn't see the hell I had to go through for mm-hmm. three years, right? And all the, you know, the mind games they're playing, is this ever going to happen? Oh, is this all for nothing? Should I just quit? Should I transfer? All the things that everybody naturally has was self-doubt. So when you fast forward, what I really more than anything was at the University of Washington from my coach, Don James, was this pyramid of success. And so you guys were talking about where I've gone, things have followed me. And a lot of the reason is because maybe it has always looked that Ultimately, I've always gotten there, even though I've had these dips, because I've always been committed to the process, mm-hmm. and I've followed the the seven or the 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 um, pyramid of success, which John Wooden, the old famous basketball coach, had created, which ultimately has twenty five building blocks, and the very top is something called competitive greatness. So that's the championship. Michael Jordan team always being with all the championships and everything. And, and when in, in John Wooden's version of the pyramid of success um, is, is, is essentially with the, when he's talking about the competitive greatness, which is the pinnacle, it is you love process. And that's the only difference between me and anybody else that's out there for the most part. There's also some luck involved, but it's just that they give up on the process. Mm-hmm. They quit podcasting. They quit getting every morning and doing what they got to do physically shape. They quit learning. Like I'm in the, I'm, I'm, I'm in the internet, you know, was illustrated, but I had about 12 years ago, I could see this all coming. And I used to be in a very traditional business. I started a gaming company many years ago and mm. 
And that was a back to, we were in all the different shows across the country and around the world. And ultimately I could see that there was this whole digital shift. So I didn't go to school. Nobody taught me. Nobody asked me to go for SI. I had to learn the digital business and I did. And I learned how to do Instagram and how to do Facebook. Nobody taught me. I taught me mm-hmm. myself. But it's only because I had a commitment and I had written these things down on what I want to do and where I want to be that helped me get there and then follow this model. Yeah, I mean, uh, the commitment, I mean, Sam and I, uh, we're 90 plus episodes. We, we actually are hitting 100 episodes this Thursday uh, for our podcast. And uh, the statistics say usually the, lo- the average lifetime of a podcast is just 12 episodes. That's when somebody stops. <laughs> That's when somebody gives up. And once you eclipse that mark, then you, you're really, you know, into it. And if you do something for three months, it becomes a habit. And this is a really good habit to have that, that Sam and I have, you know, made and, and we're, we're proud of what we're producing and, and doing. So it just says a lot about the grind. And, and you said that the pyramid and, and getting to that competitive success is what Sam and I are, are actually trying to get to in such a competitive market. What can we do different? What can we do that people normally don't see? And, and what we do on this show is try not to just get our guests and say, this is their career and that's it. You're defined by your career. That's not the case. We look at the person and we try and let our audience understand what the person wants to do, what the person has gone through and what the person is, is trying to, you know, share their message and how they're trying to share their message. That is that competitive success that, that we're trying to attain with podcasting. And um, honestly, we, we've made it very far. We're about to hit a hundred episodes and it's, it's such an exciting, you know, field to be in. When, when you trickle all that stuff down, um, and people have talked about the why, you know, the why, mm-hmm. why are you doing climbing mountains, you know, and why did I love playing football? I mean, I would have done it for free, you know. And mm-hmm. so I think at the end of the day, and I go back to the same thing I said, that competitiveness all filters down to loving what you do. And loving what you do, you got to have at the core of all, you got to have some mission. You got to have a why. That when things get tough and you go into a dry shake, maybe saying to yourself, I wish my podcast, you know, I'm at 100, but maybe I'm at 200. I wish I had sponsors. I wish, mm-hmm. you know, da, da. but, you know, like on my podcast, I've been talking to people that have got this crazy diversity that overcome this different stuff. And so for me, just to list somebody and be high, mm-hmm. you know, tomorrow I'm talking to somebody who was in a plane crash, 112 people died. For him uh-huh. to go through that survivor's guilt and listen to that and just go, oh, God, what did that in my life? Um, I also wanted to, I, I think having kind of that, that visual, I think there's a lot of keys to success. And I want to, read your audience can't see this, but I'm going to hold this up. Guys. And this is a little piece of paper that um, mm-hmm. when I was at 17, actually I was at 1,005. Imagine that, looking down on little Miami. And I was on a mountain called Aconcagua. The, the, uh, the summit was 23,000 feet. And we had to stay at, we were, we were acclimatizing um, up at, up at 19,500 for a couple of days. And so I started writing things down. And this is probably four years ago. And I said, you know, 
what I really want to do with all like, is there another place I can even take this climbing, you know, not, mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to climb, but what else can I do? And so I was like, you know, I want to my whole um, presence, Instagram, Facebook, I'd never done that before. And I wanted to write a book, right? And I wanted to do more philanthropic work, like I'm doing with the million. And I wanted to find sponsorship. I wanted to start public speaking. And mm-hmm. there's the finding your summit. And, you know, it, it, it is. So the point is that I have this visual board that I, that I put down that I keep right in front, right over here. That's why I was able to pull it out mm-hmm. that I look at every day. And that day is that constant reminder because, you know, you always wake up springing out of bed and saying, let's go charge up that mountain. Right. <laughs> and you've got to have some, some reminders why you're in this thing to start. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And for a lot of people, it's hard for them to find one thing that they're that passionate about to do that. But it seems like you have found a lot of things that you, you've really dedicated all your effort towards. So how does what was the process going from being an NFL player, dedicating your whole um, early career to that to becoming an entrepreneur and now uh, doing philanthropy work as well? I mean, that, that's a great question. And because to something you guys mentioned earlier, like you, you, I think Sam had said something about it. Looked like everything has been pretty bright and shiny for you the way through. Mm-hmm. This is another one of these really dark periods I went through. And when I was about, I think 29, 30 years old, when I stopped playing for Phil and when you've been doing something as I had and you're making money and now all of a sudden you go off that cliff, the NFL has not been a job uh, through their NFL PA players association, uh, organization called the trust, um, of helping players position once they're done to give them this kind of this, this roadmap to success, all kinds of tools, schools, universities, all kinds of, which we didn't have back in the day. It you're out, man, you're out, you're done. And it was really hard. It was frustrating. And so I probably went through two years of what am I going to do? And want to do something great i just can figure out i could like redirect that same energy to something else that would make me really jacked up about about going after that thing the way i had done you know in sports and so i did start off and i kicked in and and started some different companies ultimately started um and and it kind of went from there but you know, I think each one of all these things done, they all have, they're all connected in some way. And I think the key message for anybody that's out there is that the one thing that I did do is I didn't shoot in 50 million directions, but at the same time, I did take action. And that action resulted in a reaction. And the reaction was either this sucks, I do this, or it led me to somebody else. And it's been amazing how there's been kind of a tailwind. Each one of these things I've done is ultimately be at the next time, but maybe down the road where it's come back like, wait a minute, that person remembered me or I can connect the person or that person led me to this person over there. But if you sit and do nothing, then nothing will happen, right? Yep. I think that's one thing I've been able to continue to, to do. And like when I'm up, again, I'm, I'm climbing mountain in Sports Illustrated. And I'm like, well, if I can do this and I can partner with an organization that's, that, that's got a great foundational base, and how to all the tax work and everything else with foundation. Um, and I can leverage different points. Then I just try to, you know, figure out a day 
I'm really disappoint, uh, disciplined about, you know, at, you know, first thing in the morning, I'm, I'm on the Peloton, I'm doing my CrossFit, I'm off, I'm having my seven summit smoothie, and I'm doing Sports Illustrated until a certain time, somewhere in, I do a podcast. So, but you have to be super organized, what you're doing to be able to operating, operate in 15 different things at one time. But it's all possible if you organize it in a certain way. And if you have your goals really clearly, you know, in front of you on what you're going to get accomplished. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Sports Illustrator. I'm actually really curious on how you got involved with one of the, you know, biggest companies in sports. Uh, tell us a story of, of how that came into fruition and, you know, what it means to you to be involved in such a highly esteemed company. Yeah. Like, right. Uh, well, this is a crazy story. So again, I, I uh, um, about eight years ago, 10 years ago, um, I asked to be part of a group to reacquire a company is called scout.com, which is now 247 CBS Interactive. Um, it was a digital media company that had individual college team sites. So the Power Five schools, LSU, Alabama, Washington, USC, all those schools. And um, we are the technology partner behind that, them with their advertising and, and things like that. And then about four and a half years ago, um, a core group left the company. The company was sold to CBS. And we started this new company called Maven. And Maven at the time was supposed to be a technology company to power other power companies like the YouTube channel, the Barber channel, Maxim magazine, Yoga Journal, so many big brands that, that, that people know. And then about uh, four months ago, we had an opportunity to buy Sports Illustrated. Um, and we, we didn't win the bid, um, but we turned around and the company that did, we did a license deal for the next hundred years to run it. And the reason why we were able to do it is because of our experience at Scout mm-hmm. of running company, right? And so um, I now am a uh, senior business development uh, leader for Sports Illustrated. It's, 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 I mean, I've just pinched myself every day to be working Know, the company that essentially took over Sports Illustrated, the company that I've been in five times as a as a young kid playing football, and now I'm you know I'm I'm actually working for this company and making decisions and running a, a business unit, and it's it's fascinating to be a part of, and and I'm, I feel so blessed. again. I, I go back to what I said before. It wouldn't have happened if I didn't see down the road that the marketplace was changing from traditional products to this digital digital way of business to teach myself about that and myself in a position to work for scout to then go over and work with maven to then you know be in a position to take over si so it all connects yeah and it's really quite something special going from the cover to the boardroom the way that you were able to do that um to to be in a leadership position there what would you say that your leadership style is like that's something that that's very uh interesting to me uh to, to know what everyone has a very different style of how they communicate with people and that's one of the most important things that you have to be able to have at whatever position in life but especially uh that kind of high role of responsibility that you have well there's a there, there's a lot of big personalities and a lot of egos in a company like that we started with 18 and now we're around employees right and when you when you go to that growth, um, everybody has, they're, they're all brilliant and everybody has a different perspective. 
many are from the East Coast, some are from the West Coast, some live in the, in the middle of the country. Um, we're dealing with all kinds of different um, uh, uh, other companies that we're doing partnership with in golf, in tennis, and all these other. And I think the key is being able to articulate very simply who you are, what you do, how you do it, and how they benefit. That's is key. Um, while at the same time, people all react in a different way and not to overreact based on their reaction. You know, we just got done with this election craziness and we, we not taking any sides, but, you know, the lot of things that were being said the last four years that was really polarizing. And I'm just, that's not my, I don't, my, my way is not my way. Um, and so it's just trying to compromise and find common ground while at the same time articulating, you know, your point of view um, in a very wrong way. And that seems so far has been my, if there's any magic behind the madness, that seems like that's been part of it so far. Yeah. For, for me, in my opinion, what makes a great journalist great or a great reporter great is taking themselves out of it, taking their opinion out of it and only reacting to the facts only reacting to certain things that are said and not imposing yourself as the other party but as the middle ground you are the mediator the moderator not the other side you're you shouldn't be debating the person that you're interviewing or talking with you should be absorbing and and, you know active listening and, and responding to what they're saying and for me that's that's something that I mean, the past four years, we, we haven't really seen much, but it's it's an interesting environment, the way things are going nowadays, where the media not only are members of the media, but their personalities as well. Yeah, you hit it. And, and, and some people have asked me, I mean, essentially, at the end of the day, I'm in sales, I guess, um, and I'm, I'm selling what we do to different people, but... Uh, People have asked me, you know, what makes a great salesperson? The answer is being a great listener. And mm-hmm. that's essentially what you had, right? And that's where you get all the answers. People have to talk and, if, you know, feed them a little bit. You can get a lot of stuff, a lot of mileage out of those answers. And that can really give you the direction on where you need to go. Um, yeah. yeah. And one other field that you're into that um, listening is pretty much the biggest uh, – skill necessary is your podcast. Um, you said that you've had um, a lot of great guests on yourself, that you've been able to collaborate with a lot of people. Can you talk about how you got into that community, the, the podcasting space, and uh, what have you done to find success uh, specifically while growing the show and um, collaborating and interacting with so many people? You know, somebody asked me this a while ago, and then there was a a great um, legend, Larry King, that just passed away. You know, I think he was 87 years old and he's had 50,000 interviews or something. I mean, insane. And, and, and something that, that he said that I really identified with is when asking, you know, what makes you such a great interviewer? And he said the power of curiosity. And so I think that's one of the things that, that I've always done. Like somebody will say something. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Well, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. And keep unpeeling until the, that person won't go any further than where they really want to go. Uh, there's a guy here, uh, 
named Yoff, and he's a broadcaster mainly on the West Coast um, for the Pac-12 Network. And he um, uh, has a podcast. And so uh, he had called me up and said, hey, I come over to this podcast on you. I didn't even know what a podcast was. <laughs> and he was asking me all these questions. And there's a little voice that was in my head as he's asking questions, just as you guys have been asking me questions. And I'm going, you know what? I can do this. This is my little voice. And so once the podcast was over and I heard it and it sounded like my voice, you know, I could, I could handle <laughs> listening to. And uh, so I called him back up and said, Yogi, how do you do podcasts? And he goes, this is who you want to call and he'll set you all up. And he set me up and kind of off I went. And being in the sports world and Sports Illustrated, that, you know, I've to a lot of people. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's really the ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I mean, there are some famous guys in there or girls, but it's, it's those other stories of being blind and, and going down the Colorado River. It's having no legs and arms. I literally ran into this guy going in Chicago down at 23,000 feet. You know, we had 12 people that started in that, on our expedition, expedition and, only 12, and only six of them finished. And this guy's crawling up the mountain with no arms and legs. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Do this. Like, what kind of grit do you have to have this to pull that out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, some people are just built a certain way. Their mentality is a certain way that other people can't ever understand or ever begin to understand that they're, they're on a different level mentality that can ever be reached. And it's, it says a lot to the dedication of that person and to the personality of that person that you, you persevere those, you know, road bumps and, and you come out stronger than ever. And I, I believe, I believe though, Jonathan, let me interrupt you really quick though, mm-hmm. because I believe anybody can be like that. I mean, I think some people might actually do that, but I think anybody can attain great success, something. It may be cutting down trees or something. It doesn't have to be glamorous. It doesn't, some you need a skill set like the NFL, but you know, I think too often people tap their own greatness at a certain level. I can only see myself here. They don't think outside the box. They don't think big enough. They don't think about, well, maybe I should go and volunteer. Maybe they're not going to start higher ground, Plumsy Foundation, but they can, they can help out. They can do a walk-on. You know, mm-hmm. there's enough things out there. People just put too many limits on themselves. At the end of the day, is just by the power of fear. Yeah, yeah. And hey, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was I was just saying that now everybody has been hit with the pandemic and how to react to the pandemic and what goes on and and sports, quite frankly, took a pause for like four months, yeah. and I just wanted to know a little bit about how you at Sports Illustrated were able to you know deal with such a historic event at at a great magnitude and and how that affected your business and you know how you've persevered through that? Well, look, it, it affected all businesses. Um, doesn't matter who you are. I mean, maybe Zoom, it wasn't affected, but mm-hmm. the majority of businesses out there had a major impact. You know, the reason why Sports Trader makes money, we still have a, a magazine that's that's very strong, but, you know, at the core, it's 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 when you are on, on the web um, and you see ads, every time an ad runs, you make money from that. And all the people in the advertising just cut way back. And so there wasn't nearly as much advertising. They weren't paying nearly as much. 
So we had a huge impact. Everybody at Sports Illustrated had to take a pretty big haircut in terms of their salaries. They've all since come back, but you know, that was six months of, of making not what you were used you know, to, to actually to making. Um, anybody who is an independent contractor got let go and we were just trying to figure out and manage how we were actually gonna get there. Um, you know, being on, on in, in digital, though I guess the benefit or one benefit was, even though there was a dip, uh, was the, uh, um, the amount of people that were staying at home and isolating. And so they were looking to do things. So there was this huge surge of people going online and going to mm-hmm. their source of content. And so our publishers were out there trying to create every possible kind of story and getting creative and mm-hmm. going back, let's go look at the 2000 Rose Bowl. Let's do this and let's mm-hmm. do that. So, um, you know, it was tough on these publishers, but, you know, they, they, they weathered the storm and we're, we're stronger than ever. And mm-hmm. so it's just, hope we never go through this in our lifetime. It's unprecedented. Um, I think the worst is behind us. Yeah. And that actually reminds us of how we started our show. We, we started in the middle of the pandemic. We had no sports to watch. So we just wanted to talk about something and get our, our word out there. And going back to something you said earlier about not putting a limit on your potential. I think when we started, what, seven months ago, I think now, mm-hmm. um, there was no way we would have predicted that we would be where we are now talking with you, um, a, a leader in the industry, really. And so that that's really great. So those words uh, cannot be more true, uh, that it not to put a limit on the potential where you can go, what you can do. Um, but let me ask you uh, a little bit now, um, moving on to there's a huge event in uh, the, the next two weeks. Uh, you played in the NFL. You work still in the sports industry. Uh, what do you think about the Super Bowl coming up? Uh, what do I think? I think it's great. It's the two teams that I was hoping it was actually going to be there. You know, Aaron Rodgers is amazing for the Packers. Um, there's just something about Tom Brady that I think we all like, and that's mm-hmm. his commitment to excellence. Um, and I've, I've loved watching the guy. And of course he's had the money to do it, but constantly sort of reinvent the way that he can elongate his body in his career by the things he, uh, now, is taking care of what I'm saying, massage or a physical therapist to come in and, and work on his body, the way that leadership from top down works. Um, you know, it only takes a couple of bad apples just to ruin the whole team. And I've been on those types of situations where it becomes polarizing. Um, and, you know, it's just the power of when you have a great player and a great teammate and others want to come and join, which exactly happened with Gronk and everybody. So I'm going to be rooting for um, the Bucks mainly because of Tom Brady and what he brings to the table. Um, they're going to they're going to work cut out for them because the Chiefs are great. A lot of speed at the outside and the home. Amazing. And um a lot of times those things are just down to the game of inches and, yep. you know, mm-hmm. it's probably a great game. Yeah. It, if everything, if all the stars align, you know, this is supposed to be one the, the goat versus the guy who's going to compete for his resume at, at, when it's all said and done. And uh, the funny little thing you, you were mentioning about what Tom Brady does uh, to, to keep his body in shape after playing in the, in the league for so long. Uh, he spends over a million dollars on his body every year. And funny little, like, 
side note, if you've seen the show Living With Yourself with Paul Rudd, uh, they, they kind of like do this therapy where you, you clone yourself and um, you're re refreshed and, and you feel like 100%. And Tom Brady actually made a cameo in that show as like a little joke um, coming out of the cloning chamber. And he's like, oh, it's like my 12th time here. So um, that just goes to uh, show you that he, he notices the amount of work that he puts into it too. And he's able to just crack some, some jokes on like one of the biggest shows of 2020. Well, look, I, I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. I still feel literally like I could, I, I feel my, my body's like a 30 year old. Um, <laughs> and a lot of that is just because of, you know, I'm not spending a million dollars on my body by yeah. any means, but, but it's a couple point of self-care and what you have mm -hmm. to do to put yourself in a position to, you know, you do just because you get older, you can't, your body has to break down. It doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm living through that. And, and again, the only difference between myself and many other people, you know, when you're a kid, you're out there running around and having a great, and maybe you play for some teams. And then at some point in time, you just quit. And, my formula is a lot of things has to do with sleep, limited amount of alcohol, the right kinds of food, exercising, you know, multiple times a day. And, and it, that comes at sacrifice because mm -hmm. I can't be my best at Sports Illustrated and do a podcast and do my philanthropy work and work out twice without saying, well, that means if I, if I go to bed earlier, that I can get up earlier because mm -hmm. make it sustainable. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's choices, and Tom has probably had choices in his life, too, of he hasn't gone to X, Y, Z, or he limits the amount of alcohol he has, or a certain food that he's given up, you know, during the season or something. I don't know what that is for him, but, you know, there's no question the guy has, has invested in himself as the, the, the go-to business mm -hmm. um, to prolong his career. Versus do what a lot of people do is get caught up in the success and go out and have fun and the, mm -hmm. you know your career ends. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of parallels with people who are the most successful at what they do. Um, how much work that uh, you have to put into it, the dedication to stay on the grind, and like you said, when you find success, if you want to maintain it, you can't let go. You have to work even harder to stay at the top because, like, like in for example Brady's case, now he has everyone coming at him. Right to try to take the crown uh, this year. It's going to be Mahomes. Who knows what it's going to be in the future. But um, I'm really – I really want to let everyone know now um, to just give you a moment uh, to, to plug your show, um, the work that you've been doing. Let people know where they can donate to your cause um, because it's really important that <clears throat> more and more people are aware of the problem of epilepsy and also can actually do something themselves to help. Not everyone can do what you do and climb mountains and uh, spread awareness, but everyone can um, make a difference in their own way. So, so please let people know where they can reach you, where they can support the cause. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much everything uh, contained in one spot, and that's my website, www.markpattisonnfl.com, P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N, markpattisonnfl.com. And, 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 you know, here's the bonus. So you can find all my podcasts. You can sign, find my social channels there. Um, the philanthropy button, it's all good. Um, but something that's really cool is that um, – 
uh, I leave for Mount Everest on March 30th, okay? Mm-hmm. And I will have a Garmin app that's connected to my website, which people can actually follow going up the mountain. It will show me going up Mount Everest and back up. Uh, so if you want to follow me, you can do that. Also, uh, a little email thing that can fill your name out in your email and be keeping people up to date you know from everest what's going you know my days i'm going to have a contained website so love to hear from anybody out there uh i answer all my all my come to me so i appreciate the love and and listen to some just again seeing people doing incredible things yeah so everybody who's listening to this podcast make sure to go check him out make sure to go check his website out he's up to a lot of great things over there uh mark it's been a pleasure having you on the show i i really did enjoy speaking about you know the the stuff from the personal side of things to to the fight against epilepsy to your career and the nfl and everything you've done after that it has truly been a pleasure a pleasure to have you on the show thank you so much guys you do a great job nothing short of success for you in the future thank you thank you everybody who is listening on apple or spotify make sure to leave a rating and we'll see you next time on backseat banter